0: Most personal and meaningful projects I've ever made was my podcast series called The Secret Tapes. There are a series of interviews that I did with the people I write about in my book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. And I did these interviews last winter in the months before my book came out, but after it was already written and turned in. So there were no takebacks on these stories that I told. But I still wanted to get the perspective of the people I wrote about. I wanted to know if they saw things the same way as I told them. And honestly, as a longtime memoir and nonfiction reader, I'm always left wondering what the friends and the families and the lovers of the author are thinking about when a book comes out that they're in, that they didn't have any say in. And so I had these recorded conversations, recorded conversations are really a better way to describe them than interviews. I had them with old friends, some I hadn't talked to in years. I also recorded conversations with my parents, with my siblings, with my oldest friend in the world, Drew, who I write about as coming out to me as gay when we were in our 20s and how pivotal that was for me as a human. I talked with two of the members of my original book club that I write about in the belonging chapter of Share Your Stuff. And I hosted a reunion of friends who were in Sri Lanka with me back when I was a blogger and we were on a humanitarian trip to raise money. And that conversation, that episode of The Secret Tapes, much like that trip, was deeply meaningful. Just really profound in some ways as we talked through what an impact that Sri Lanka trip had on our lives. I wrote about it some in the chapter of the book. The chapter's called, When Did It Change? Because in some ways, Sri Lanka changed everything, and I'm not the only one who feels that way. Also, one of my favorite conversations is the first episode of The Secret Tapes, titled, A Game Called Go, and it's the origin story of my deep desire to share my stuff all the time. I called up one of my very first friends in LA. He was a coworker at MTV. I hadn't talked to him in a decade. And we just had the best conversation about surviving those early days in Hollywood. And it was so cathartic to talk to someone who knew this really specific version of Lara from back then. The Secret Tapes were originally recorded as a pre-order bonus for Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. And so you had to pre-order the book in order to hear this series. But my book, it came out back in February. A lot more people have had the chance to read it or to find out about it. And so for the first time, I'm putting the Secret Tapes where anyone can hear them. I'm making them a part of Secret Stuff, my new Patreon show. Secret Stuff is going to have a lot of this type of content, personal stuff that I don't want to release to the whole wide world. You can join Secret Stuff by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. And as soon as you sign up, you'll have access to all 11 episodes of The Secret Tapes. The Secret Tapes, they will all now live as part of Secret Stuff. The clip that I'm going to share with you today in this little mini episode is from a conversation with my parents. It is by far the secret tape conversation, the one that is most commented on, I think, and it really gives insight into our family, into my childhood, into Share Your Stuff, the book. This is just a few minutes of that conversation. If you want to hear the rest of it, as well as all of the other Secret Tapes episodes, you'll have to sign up for Secret Stuff on Patreon. Remember, go to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Now, here's a snippet of that conversation with my parents about writing a book about them. Did you feel like when I was a kid that I overshared or that I wanted to talk about my feelings a lot? I know that it sort of became a joke as I got older that I was always wanting to like talk about things that, our family doesn't necessarily want to talk about. But what was I like that when I was younger?
1: I don't remember that 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 you were heavy on on discussing feelings. You know, you had experiences at school that were, for your point of view, traumatic. If you didn't think you made it into the club, or if you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. But as far as just on a daily basis of expressing that you you were feeling something that you need to discuss, I didn't. I don't think you did that to the point where I would remember it or notice it.
2: Mom, did you think I was an oversharer as a kid? Well, you were hard for me because I saw myself in you so much because you looked so much like me. I don't know if you realized as a child how much you looked like your mama, but you did. I, I would look at you and you... I could see myself looking back, but your personality was not the same. You were different. And so I kept trying in my mind, I think, to make you be like me, and you weren't. And so I can remember when you were about eight or nine, you got all concerned about people dying. And I thought, what is this? Get over this. This is crazy stuff. But I also remember when I was a little older than that, I would lay in bed at night and listen for the air raid sirens to go off because it was the middle of the Cold War. And I was told at my school that we lived halfway between Tinker and the airport, Will Rogers. And so whatever we did, like getting under our chair with our books on our head, didn't matter because we were going to be ground zero. So I laid there listening for those air raid sirens and I tried to think, Oh, that's a lot like that. But still, you know, I, um, uh, I just bury that stuff and get past it and you don't, and you didn't. And so it was hard for me to reconcile a child who looked so much like me, but had her own personality. Yeah. Well, I, I,
0: I did have my own personality, but it was a lot like daddy's. I feel like I have a lot of personality
2: traits of dad. That's probably true. You had a lot of his characteristics, but he's real private and you don't see very much of that. With you, you were more expressive. I know, but I knew when I was a kid
0: that dad and I were simpatico on our insides in a lot of ways, but he didn't talk about it, maybe generationally or... Just personality wise. And I did talk about it, but I knew that dad shared some of the same fears I had, or, you know, our thought process would sometimes be the same about something. I mean, I knew that even when I was really little. Dad, didn't you know that?
1: No, but in reading your book, it made me feel like that uh, I have a high anxiety level also, but I try not to express it. But I felt like that you had inherited that from me and I was sorry for that, uh, but there wasn't anything I could do about it. Uh, that's, that's me. And apparently it's you also, but I didn't at the time, I didn't notice that connection between the two of us as as having those similar traits.
0: I mean, it's sort of a family thing that we tease about, but you were often fearful
2: that we, something bad was going to happen to us.
1: Yes. Yes. And I've had that fear all my life.
2: Well, and when when I was pregnant, dad was always worried that it would not work out well. And I just it never occurred to me that it wouldn't work out well. I just thought we'd have healthy babies and it would all be good. Isn't it funny how your marriage in some ways mirrors
0: my own? Because also (laughs) it has never occurred to Jeff that something bad would happen. And I think something bad is going to happen all the time. And we need to be emotionally preparing for it. And it's just (laughs) baffling to him. Like, well, why would that happen?
1: Hello. Hello. You want to talk to your sister? We're on Zoom.
0: Oh, Lance, do come join us because we are recording a podcast episode right now about my book. What a fortuitous moment this is.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, I've got to go take some kids to the airport here in a second.
0: We're talking about my book, which I know you haven't read, but we're also sort of talking about our family culture when I was growing up. And did you think I was a strange child because I pulled my hair out bald and bounced a ball for hours on end?
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: You really did?
3: Yeah, you were a weird little kid.
2: Did you even notice?
3: (laughs) Laura, I knew she pulled her out. She ba- stood out in the driveway and bounced a ball all the time. Just bounced and bounced and bounced and, <laughs>
0: bounced and bounced and bounced. Well, mom and dad didn't appear to notice, so it's I guess.
2: It didn't strike me as so odd. I that thought
3: it was bald spots in her hair?
2: I bit my fingernails to the quick till I was past 55 years old. Mom, you have to... You
0: have to stop equating those two things. Pulling your hair out bald and biting your nails are not
2: exactly the same action. They're exactly the same thing. They're compulsions. You do them they make you comfortable. They're just compulsive things and they bring you comfort. And I'm sorry I did it and I wish that I hadn't. And I'm sure you were sorry you did it and wish that you hadn't. But it doesn't define you as a person.
0: Lance, in the book, I tell a story about when you got hit by the car in front of dad mm-hmm. would you like to tell that story or <laughs> or have any commentary on it
3: dad would prefer that i didn't who was i with in the car the other day and i told i was, i told that story about a week ago I, we were driving by and i had a couple we were driving to to the new lumber yard i have over in medill and i had the, the lady that runs my lumber operations and alex in the truck with me and we were right there in front of the video store and i was like, "Yeah." I got hit by a car there like 35 years ago. I tell the story how I, and this is me, I come out between two parked cars. Dad had pulled over off to the side to let me run across the street to, put, to take the videotape back to the video store. And I go around the front of his car and there's another car that's parked in front of him. And so I'm basically coming out between two parked cars. Is that how it happened? Yeah, I, and I, I look right, but I didn't clear left. I think it's what happened, or I might've cleared left and didn't clear right. And a car, you know, screeches and taps me with their bumper. I roll to the ground. I'm embarrassed that it happened. So I immediately jump up with all the adrenaline, like, no, no, I'm okay. It's fine. No big deal. Everything's good, <laughs> right? Um, Dad comes screaming out of his car, all worried. We go ahead and walk the tape on in across the street to the video store, go to hand in the tape. And the you know, guy behind the counter is like, "And you're bleeding down there on your leg kind of bad. And I look down yeah. and I'd gashed my leg up pretty bad. Had, you know, again, adrenaline, hadn't noticed, wasn't thinking about it. was just embarrassed because I just got hit by a car in front of a bunch of people. And so we hobble off and, and dad takes me to the emergency room where they stitch me up. And the story that I recall hearing, though I didn't know, was that dad was in worse shape in the emergency room than I was.
2: Well, that was that was from me because dad called Pam Ortloff. I was at what, what is that Volkswagen play? I, I was I at know. Earl's place dropping off a car and dad was supposed to come over and pick me up. And we were going to Mary Jane Nobles for a Bellman deal. Hmm. And Pam Orloff calls me and says, Donna, I'm going to come over and pick you up because there's been an accident, but everybody's okay. Everybody's okay, but I'm going to come get you. So Pam picks me up at Earl's and drives me to the emergency room at the hospital. I go into the emergency room. I didn't know what to expect, but I, she did say things were okay. And the, the nurse in there said, oh, they're all, you know, I've uh, fixed your son up and he knows, or I've told your husband how to fix his bandages and everything. And I think he's okay, but I am really worried about your husband. So I, I, I didn't know what I was going to find when I got home. I bet you dad took a nap for three days after that. Okay. I did find him in bed. And then when you got home and then he, I had some Xanax Mm -hmm. and so he was able to take the Xanax and, and it helped. So see, I just come by it so naturally.
3: All taking the Xanax?
0: No, Mm -hmm. uh, being a little bit. High strong? Fretful. I was nervous and fretful. Yeah.
3: All right. I got to go take my kids.
0: Okay. But listen, one more thing. That I write about you specifically in the book, Lance, is I have a chapter called Magical Moments, and you, all of them, teacher, all of them. you are not the magical moment. Well, you called me from Iraq in the complete middle of the night for me okay. to tell me not to make any rash decisions. And I was just about to break up with Jeff because he wasn't prepared to propose to me. And I had not told anybody that I was going to break up with Jeff. And you called in the middle of the night and said, I think you need to just like, wait a minute. You need to just settle down in whatever you think you're about to do. You need to just like sit tight. And he proposed like three weeks later. When I was writing this part of the book, I called you, still a Marine. You were doing some Marine stuff in Louisiana when I called you earlier this year to talk to you about this story. What do you remember about this story?
3: Not a thing.
0: (laughs) I, don't know. So, I, see, I
3: can't confirm or deny that I even placed that phone call.
0: This is why you don't get your own episode of the podcast, Lance. You don't remember anything.
3: <laughs> I remember the things that were important to me. That was not important to me. I'm glad that it was important to you. hundred percent. I'm glad that that was important to you and that you got something out of that. I, uh, apparently, I just had some feeling that I needed to call you and tell you to hold tight with whatever you were doing. And I executed it on the feeling and my gut has carried me all 48 years and has done me pretty good so far. So I just tend to follow it and it always seems to work out. So I loaned it to you, I guess, that night. You're welcome.
0: Well, I appreciate it. The whole family is better for Jeff entering our lives. So that was a good one. Okay. Well, we got a little thrown off my outline, but that was a good interruption, actually.
1: Good. So what's your next topic.
0: Well, before we bust all the way out of childhood, I guess I do want to say how aware were you in the fourth grade when we lived over on the G Street house that I started reading Stephen King?
1: Yes, I was aware of it. I am not a fan of his, as you well know, but I also have always allowed our family to read what they chose to read. And I wasn't happy with it, but That's what you wanted to read, so you read it.
2: Mom, did you have feelings on it? Well, I didn't really understand it, and I can remember, though, that I used a babysitter occasionally who was more scared than you were, and so we would come home, and every light in the house would be on, and you all would be hovering in a bedroom together, kind of waiting for some scary thing to happen, I don't really remember too much about it. You weren't worried that I was scaring myself with those books? No.
0: Want to hear the rest of that conversation? Sign up for the Secret Stuff Patreon, my new private podcast over on Patreon. To learn more, go to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secretstuff.